My name is Keith Beavers, and science tells us it takes 252 to 411 licks to get to the center of a Tootsie Pop. That's a difference of 159 licks. What's going on, wine lovers from the Vine Pair Podcasting Network? This is the Wine 101 Podcast. My name is Keith Beavers, and I happen to be the tasting director of Vine Pair. How are you? It's time to go back to the United States, and we're going to California all the way down south to Temecula Valley. It's amazing, and I found someone who is an expert on the valley, and I thought I'd bring her in for a chat. Let's get into it. This episode of Wine 101 is sponsored by Franciscan Estate, an homage to the Franciscan monks who brought grapes grown in Bordeaux, France, to California. This wine is a culmination of Napa Valley history, and it's a big red that connotes the tradition of winemaking culture from Bordeaux to Napa in one glass. Swirl, sniff, sip, enjoy. Okay, here we are. We are about to go into a six-episode block of American wine viticultural areas. This is very exciting for me personally because I, as you may know, am obsessed with American wine. I'm obsessed with all wine, but American wine history I really got into in the past few years. And I really want to shine a light on AVA's American viticultural areas that you may not know that you should. So I'm starting with the Temecula Valley. Where is it? Well, you're going to have to listen. So I brought in Devin Parr, who is an expert on Temecula Valley. She's been working for 20 years in the wine industry. She's the co-founder of the Vintners Project. Look it up. It's amazing. Follow them on Instagram. And sat and chatted with her about the history of this place, what wine is happening there, how it all happened. So get ready to enjoy and book your ticket to Temecula Valley AVA. Devin, let's do this. I'm obsessed with American wine. As of 2019, I went to Paso Robles and I saw what was going on there. And I'm like, whoa, there's so much more happening in just California. So I got obsessed with American wine. I went on a journey. I researched the entire history of American wine from east to west, south to north, whatever. Jeez. Yeah, just crazy. And it was, I was, I was like, wait. So after that, I'm like, now I'm obsessed with all of it. Not only am I obsessed with Napa and Sonoma, that's not cab and shard and things, but I'm now obsessed with every AVA I can find, <laughs> you know? And when I- have a I, lot to be obsessed over. <laughs> yeah. So when I was, uh, it was during the pandemic when I got that email about the Zoom um, seminar for Temecula Wines. Yep. I was like, bring it. And I've since then have been like just obsessed. So- what I, the reason why I asked to talk to you is because I do, whenever I do a podcast episode, I do a lot of research. And when wine regions are fairly new, there are stories that I read, whether they're right or wrong, legend or not, whether they're, whether they're, who's writing the, 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 the research. Cause you know, I always start from a primary source, but um, with more, more modern AVAs and more modern wine regions, the primary sources kind of break down a little bit. So I thought I'd go to the source and um, talk to somebody who knows all the stuff. So I just want to talk about Temecula, the AVA, 
what's up there? What's going on up there, down there, up there, high desert, down there in California, all yeah. this kind of stuff. History, we can get into some history, but like, you know, I, what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to get my listeners to be really excited about traveling around the United States and going to places they may not understand because the wine is great, not just in the places they know. Right. So it's a noble mission. Oh, thank you. <laughs> and yeah. So I guess I want to start with um, this is the first thing we have to talk about. Where is Temecula? Because when I first was like, where, when they, when I got the email, I'm like, well, okay, I'd love, I'd love, I, I said yes to the email before I knew where Temecula was. So I love that. <laughs> so like where, just blindly going with it. Yeah. Yeah. Why not? You know, and it turned out to be yeah. great. So it was awesome. So where exactly is Temecula? Okay. So Temecula Valley is weirdly perfect. It's like the perfect wine destination because it is located. Okay. Southern California, part of the larger South coast ADA. So it's about an hour, call it northeast of San Diego okay. proper. But Temecula Valley in and of itself is located within a one to two hour drive of literally every major Southern Californian city. So about two hours, hour and a half from LA, an hour from Orange County, an hour from San Diego, hour from Palm Springs, just outside of Riverside proper. Um, so surrounded by 23 million people Wow. Within a one to two hour drive. It's like literally the perfect getaway. If you are in San Diego, LA, Palm Springs, Newport, Orange County, any of those places. Wow. So has Temecula Valley always been a, a place where vines have grown and wine has been made? I mean, the history of California and wine, it's literally all over the state. You find vines. So I find it very, I just think it's really cool that, you know, we always talk about Northern California, everyone, not everyone, but you know, Northern California has a lot, has a lot of, uh, you know, people know about it um, because right. our fine wine region happens to be up there. Um, but uh, has this always been a place where vines have been grown and wine has been made? Well, people forget that California wine industry started in Southern California, not Northern. Absolutely. Um, so, yeah, I mean, like most California wine regions and most wine regions, I think, in the world, vines were brought by missionaries for religious purposes, obviously, to mm -hmm. Southern California. And that was in the 1800s, I believe. But the, like, the Temecula Valley wine industry, as we know it, started in 1968. Um, a Hollywood couple responding to a newspaper ad for gentleman farming. It just picture it showed a picture of this like guy in a suit, I feel like sitting, and I can find the picture for you, sitting in like a rocking chair in the middle of a field. And it promised this, like, here's a place to go to plant vines and become a gentleman farmer. Amazing. So this Hollywood couple, um, Vincent and Audrey Solerzo, picked up, bought land in Temecula Valley and established the first commercial vineyard in 1968. Okay. And then, of course... Um, Eli Callaway of Callaway Golf came oh. to the region, opened, yeah, really? opened the very first commercial winery in 1974, and then the, the region sort of went from there. That's very interesting, because when I read the history of American wine, um, 1968's a big year. It's a year where the collective uh, culture decided, hey, dry red wine, 
we like it now. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it seems yeah. like sweet after prohibition, sweet wine was the ga- name of the game because the wine that was being made during prohibition was like that, you know, but then 1968 through 1974 and then into the nine into 1980 when the AVA system was created in 79. Yeah. Um, it just, it's just amazing how the it's when I find these places in history in California wine, I, I just see these connective things that are just this. It's, 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 it's awesome. So yeah. gentlemen farmers in a, this is also I want to talk about in a high desert. What exactly is a high desert? That's potentially beyond my pay grade, but for me, Temecula Valley is characterized as like a Mediterranean climate. So it, oh. I mean, yes. So we are 22 miles as the crow flies from the Pacific ocean. We're separate. It's a valley, right? But we're mm. separated by this coastal mountain range and then another mountain range on the other side of the valley. And then there's the desert. Um, there's gaps in the coastal mountain range where the hot air rises in the desert and it creates this suction right. and it pulls then all of these cool Pacific marine breezes through the valley. So there's actually quite a substantial cooling influence that people don't realize. Like, yes, it's Southern California, so it's quite warm. But um, I believe on like the climate scale and do not quote me on this, we're we're almost on par with certain parts of Napa Valley. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it does have cooling influences. We do have Pacific marine influence, um, and it's a valley. I read about that. I read about the the similarities to, to Napa. And what I find interesting about that is Napa relies mostly on, you know, the cool breezes from the San Pablo Bay. Um, and yeah. there's no, this is what's so wild about that is there's no wind gap really, unless you go down to Petaluma, which where they have a Petaluma yeah. wind gap. And I just, what I love about what I want my listeners to understand and what's really what I love about the geography of California is if you find a wind gap, you'll find a wine region usually because yeah. these wind gaps, they suck all the air into the inland. And it, this is what's so beautiful and amazing about California is that you are in a desert, whatever high desert means, it just probably just means an elevated desert, but it's, I was looking at a map there's, it's desert around there. I mean, there's mountains and hills and stuff like that, but it's pretty desert-like, but then that wind comes in and cools everything. And that is that, that's really where the, that's, that's the concentration of the, the vineyards are in that area. Are they on like, yeah. the, on the hills and stuff or in the valley? Yep. In the valley. And then there's certain other areas. Um, for example, my parents live up in Duluth and that's part of that mountain range, the coastal mountain range. And it's, much higher, much foggier. There's quite a difference in temperature when you go up into those higher elevation areas. Um, and then there's, of course, the valley floor. But all of Temecula Valley isn't just valley floor. It's got some of these points of elevation that make, you know, different wines um, more sort of cool climate. I don't want to say cool climate, but cooler climate, relatively speaking. And what's this thing called Rancho Road or Rancho... Road. Rancho California Road. Yeah, what is that? It sounds, I, I keeps coming up and I can't figure it out. So Temecula wine country is pretty much it. All of the wineries are um, concentrated along these two main roads, Rancho California road and De Portola road okay. with some offshoots. Of course, there's Calle Contento um, where other wineries sit, but the majority of them are located either along De Portola or along Rancho California road and Rancho California road is the main thoroughfare that got, goes from um, the 15 freeway that, you know, north, south, major 15 freeway, okay. um, Rancho California road intersects that and then runs all the way through wine country. Oh, okay. 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 That makes sense. So 
what are we what are we growing out here? What are we what kind of grapes are happening in this Mediterranean high desert wind gap Southern California climate? What aren't we growing is the better question. <laughs> okay, cool. So um everything thrive I mean not everything, but we grow over two dozen different grape varieties. Awesome. Um we are finding that the grapes that really truly shine are ones that we associate with, you know, some of the most uh, well-respected Mediterranean wine regions in the world. So we've got some great Italian varieties growing. We've got great Rhone varieties growing, great Spanish, Portuguese. We see um, a ton of success with grapes like Syrah, Grenache, Morvedra, mm-hmm. uh, Sangiovese is gorgeous. Muspelciano is absolutely gorgeous from Temecula Valley. What? We've Muspel got things like Nacional. We've got like Verdello, Vermentino, Arnais, like you name it. An A to Z of grape varieties are growing there. And of course, we do Cabernet Sauvignon, Cabernet Franc, sure. Merlot, Chardonnay. I would say the only grape that we're not seeing a ton of success with, um, major grape that we're not seeing a ton of success with is Pinot Noir grown for still wines. But we do great classic method sparkling wines from Pinot Noir. So. Oh, wow. Is, so is there is there something that, you know, this is the thing about, about wine in America is, you know, the history looks like, you know, we... This is not a bad thing, but it's kind of how we learn. We 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 associate a grape with a place, and then we fall in love with it, right? So Cab, Napa, Finger Lakes, Riesling, Pinot Noir, Willamette, and yeah. we that kind of helps us focus on something to kind of get us into the thing. What I really find interesting, and what I love about American wine history is it's not just one variety. In Cabernet Sauvignon, it was Zinfandel before it was Cabernet Sauvignon in Napa, yeah, and. I love going, I love, this is what I love about these wine regions that, that I want people to understand is it's not just one variety. It's a plethora of varieties that work within the climate and we can do great things with that in the American innovation. You know, we can blend Toriga Nacional with Montepulciano if we want to, if it works and the acidity is right and it's all, it's all fine. So is there, this is, so the question would be like, it doesn't matter if it is, but are there is a are there variety a, a list of or a variety that's really kind of like people are really excited about down there, or is it just the innovation and exploration of the vines that exist? And it's more about finding the grapes that love the soil and making awesomeness out of that. Right. So we it's this existential question we've had as a region in some of like earlier marketing talks because when you pin a grape to a region, at the end of the day, it's a marketing play. Yeah. So we've sat around and saying, do we need a signature variety that we pin on Temecula Valley? Like, are we known for Sangiovese? Are we known for Syrah? But at the end of the day, we then sat back and said, well, what do we do well? We do a lot of it well, and we do a range of grape varieties well. So I would say Temecula Valley, its signature is these Mediterranean style grapes that actually do well in this particular climate, in this warmer Mediterranean climate decomposed granite soils, sandy loam soils. Um, we're really seeing these truly shine and seem to be meant to be planted there. Um, we've had some talks like, is again, is Syrah or is Sangiovese the grape variety that we want to hang our hat on or Montepulciano? Mm-hmm. Um, but also we have to think of Temecula Valley as being like all most exclusively direct to consumer, right? So we are not beholden to the forces of the wholesale Mm -hmm. market or distribution forces. So we truly can experiment Mm -hmm. and make and grow the grapes that do well and and get get funky with our blends and really try new things Mm -hmm. um, because we can hand sell them in the tasting room and we can also make wine clubs 
that are really exciting. You know, you're not just getting your Cabernet and your Chardonnay shipped to you every quarter because that's all you make. Um, We can create something and introduce something totally new quarterly. This is this this is exciting stuff. This is why this is what this was what really gets me is I love that. I love experimentation. I love the fact that you guys have this ability to do that. And the thing about distribution, it's it's messy in America. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, but yes. it's very messy. I mean, thank you, Volstead Act. But I what I what I think. What I'm trying. One of the other things I would like my listeners to know is, is sometimes when there's great wine being made in America, it's not always in distribution. And sometimes you may have to decide I'm going to go visit that place, and I want to be there and I want to see it. It's just a flight. We're not going over an ocean. It's literally going. You know, wherever you are in America, you can get to Temecula, and. Or it's a quick drive, right? Or it's a, yeah, if you're in LA, if you're in the surrounding area, you can go right there. In Arizona, you were a quick drive. Yeah. So what's the what's the tourism like there? How do you what's the what do you guys? I mean, the the do you have, I'm sure you have a so the Rancho Road goes through. Is that where the, all the tasting room tasting rooms are? Can you do can people do t- vineyard tours and what's what's happening out there? Oh yeah. Yeah, so our wineries are really concentrated again, like I said, on on Rancho California, De Portola, Cayo Contento, and then a few little offshoots. Um, they're concentrated in a really small area. And I, you know, I always say this, like I would never recommend it, but you could theoretically walk from winery to winery. They're quite close. Mm. It's not like the typical wine regions where you get in your car and you go to one winery and you taste, and then it's like a 20-minute drive to the next one, and right. then a 30-minute drive to the next one. Um We've got really vibrant, approachable tasting rooms. Like I cannot say enough about the warm, welcoming vibe of Temecula Valley. It's just, we're taking the wine seriously, but it's still this, everyone's welcome. Come on in. We're going to teach you about the region. We're going to share these wines with you. Um, There's a great sense of collaboration and and community spirit, but we've got really cool activities like uh, blending labs. We've got a winery that does wellness classes among the vines and a wine club dedicated to that. Mm-hmm. Um, what's unique to the region is we actually have lodging and dining among the vines. So a lot of wine regions, as you I'm sure know, aren't, they don't permit restaurants and hotels and events and weddings on site. Mm-hmm. Um, Temecula Valley is totally different. So we've got great restaurants at wineries, great hotels at the wineries themselves where you like wake up and you're in a oh, vineyard basically. Great. That's great. Yeah. And a great tasting scene, all tasting room. And the tasting prices are quite affordable. Mm-hmm. So most, you know, most tasting flights start like 20 bucks and go up from there. Of course, there's like more exclusive experiences where you sit and someone gives you a guided tasting. Sure. 20 bucks is not bad at all. <laughs> you no, know, it, it's super affordable. When I think of like a, you know, $100 or $85 tasting price for six wines, I'm like hard pass. Yeah. Yeah. I've been, um, I, I was, you know, I was looking at Temecula. I was watching some, it was going on YouTube, trying to watch some videos and stuff. And I, I saw a couple videos of tasting rooms and man, the vibe was chill. It was just so chill. It, just watching that video, I'm like, I want to go there and just like hang out with these guys. It's a lot. It's, yeah. it's really, it's really cool. I love it. There's something for everyone. I mean, there is, there are the elevated experiences, but then there's like the like, come on in, grab some wine, hang out. We got live music. Your dogs are friendly or Sorry, your dogs are friendly. I hope they're friendly. They We're friendly to your dogs. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> so yeah, no, it's 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 very cool and chill and that it's like that true SoCal spirit. Right, right. So what do you um 
this is going to be a weird question. It's like, I want to say, what's the future of Temecula look like? You know, I, I, I guess I want to get to that point. Like where, like where, where are you guys going? Like, what are you, what are you excited about? What's, where's, where's Temecula going? Sure. So in 2021, we passed the first, I believe in the country, agricultural heritage district where we now, there's an assessment placed on all um, tastings, bottles of wine sold, weddings, events, rest, uh, meals sold, et cetera, um, in the region. And that is what now funds the development and the marketing and promotion of Temecula Valley. And we were the first region to do it. And other regions are now trying to follow suit. So it's it was very cool. And we feel sure. super proud about doing that. Um, but that has allowed us now to take a look at the region, take a look at educational opportunities for our frontline staff for, um, you know, better grape growing, better wine production, um, promotional opportunities where we're bringing trade and media to the region, people like you to come experience it on a much higher level than we were able to do in the past. Um, What does the future hold? I think it's just more taking a hard look at what works in the valley. Um, areas for opportunity. Is there an area of opportunity for distribution for certain properties? Um, more plantings, uh, higher prices for our grapes. Um, you know, it just uh, there's a lot of development happening in the region. So other businesses are either expanding or new businesses are coming in. Um, plantings. So it's it's an exciting time. I don't know what the future holds, but I think our wines are getting better and better every year, every harvest. Um, more talented people and winemakers are coming to the valley, seeing the promise of the region. And again, we're surrounded by 23 million people within a one to two hour drive. Like it, it doesn't get much better than that if you're trying to build a tourism community. That's awesome. Uh, you know, I when I was, you know, as I've been in California wine countries. Um, in the past two years, I'm, I'm seeing this very, very exciting energy. I mean, it's just, it's like, there's a new generation of winemakers. There's a new generation of thought. There's a new generation. There's a new, um, the sustainability, there's a new work. There's a new, uh, how do I say this? It's like sustainability is is expanding in our minds and we're taking, we're taking it beyond organic biodynamic certification, stuff like that. We're bringing it into the actual human element of it. And that's so cool that you guys are in the forward thinking, you know, department of that. Do you guys do, or is, is organic a, um, a thing out there? Are you guys working on organic stuff? Is it individual? It's individual and it's, it's tough because as you probably know, in the late nineties, the region was almost wiped out by Pierce's disease, Pierce which is right. caused by the glassy wing sharpshooter. Mm-hmm. And so Temecula Valley in general could easily be organic if it weren't for that insect. Right. And so there is there. I, I just learned this actually. Um, Greg Pennyroyal, who is the vineyard manager of Wilson Creek, but he also teaches um, viticulture at Mount San Jacinto. They are working now on um, an organic or natural solution to the glassy wing sharpshooter. And they're very close. So once that's solved, it's much easier. Mm-hmm. Um with that said, a lot of our wineries are certified sustainable. Right. Um, Greg Pennyroyal is a visionary in the regenerative agriculture space. I know a whole group of students at Smecula Valley High School on their own started a regenerative ag club. I believe it's the first and biggest in the country. It's amazing. Like, doing as a teenager, let's be honest. Like right. I was not starting a club. I was smoking things that someone else farmed. But um, Absolutely. Amen to that. But yeah. <laughs> there is this 
we're taking a look at it. And to your point, taking a look at it from the human standpoint. Right, um, right. And people forget that sustainability goes beyond the vineyard. It actually, you got to be economically sustainable. You have to be sustainable um, from a community standpoint. And so... That's cool. And I only ask because, you know, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's, I'm not trying to put anybody in the spot, but I, what I really also see, this is what I asked the question about organics. What's really cool is the first thing I usually hear is if we can't do it yet, we've been doing it forever, but we're just not certified yet. And that's sort of how the, that's how the right path starts, you know, not yeah. being certified is, is not it, being certified is, is great and it's important, but if you're not certified, but you're still, you're still, still practicing it, you're still making, you're still forward thinking. You're still like doing the work. It's just the certification yeah. comes in, especially if you have a, if you have it like, you know, Pierce's disease, you can't do anything about that. That's coming. You know, it's like, it's going to happen. It's like phylloxera. It's going to, it's going to happen and it's there. And all you can do is try to prevent it. And, uh, that, that's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. But they're, I mean, they're working on a cool solution. So I don't like, I understand they're close and that would be a game changer, not only for Temecula Valley, but for other regions that are threatened by it. Absolutely. Wow. So expect a huge press release when that actually happens. I'm, I'll keep my eyes peeled. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you so much. I think, I think we got, is there anything else about Temecula you'd like us to know? Cause I think we got a, we got a pretty good picture of it and I think people should start booking flights. So I'm just, uh, is there anything else you want people to know? No, I just, I want people to understand like we are a region that stands with open arms, welcoming people with an open mind uh, who are ready to try some really cool, exciting wines, offbeat blends, offbeat grape varieties grown in Southern California. Awesome. So awesome. Yeah. Devin, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me. Appreciate it. And Keith, you know, you got a standing invitation. I know, I yeah. know, I know. That's the thing I also heard about. Um, I mean, I can't wait. I mean, did, what do you guys, so this thing about, uh, hot air balloons, I, you know, I've never been in a hot air balloon and I'm a little nervous about it, but you know, I, I feel like I need to do it, especially if I'm going to be above a wine region and looking down. So every morning I walk out on my back patio at my house and I don't even live in wine country. I live like on the cusp of it. And I see, I think I've seen up to like 12 hot air balloons floating across my backyard over the vineyards, but I have not spoken to a single person who has not said it's like a life-changing experience. Like wow. everyone who does it says it's just mind-blowing. Um, so yeah, we've got a ton of hot air balloon companies. We've got horseback riding companies through the vines. Wow. We do, we have this really cool company um, that works with us called uh, SoCal Sidecar, Sidecar Tours. And they will take you on a motorcycle sidecar okay. ride through the vines. That's it's really awesome. cool. Yeah. That is awesome. That is awesome. I want to do all that. I want to do the, the balloon, the, the bikes and the horses. That's, that's amazing. That's so cool. And you got you have to come to meet, um, the Dofo family in Temecula because they have a massive on-site, um, vintage motorcycle collection. So yeah, the, the entire, that's right. Yes. The entire I, family rides motorcycles and then they have this tasting room that's all moto themed. And, and their bottles yeah. are crazy. I, I, I even, I, yeah. I've had some of their bottles. It's awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Well, thank you, Devin. This has been- Lots going on. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you. We'll see you in Temecula. Absolutely. So are you ready to, are you ready to like book that ticket and go down there to that awesome place and drink those awesome wines? See, that's the thing about American wine history is it's really cool to be known for one variety, but it's also really cool to go to a place that has the freedom to experiment, explore, and do things, different things with different varieties 
and to see what works and to go down to Temecula Valley now and see what they're doing, you're getting ready for a whole new generation of winemakers doing awesome things. So get ready for next week. We have more coming up about the U.S. Vine Pair Keith is my Insta. Rate and review this podcast wherever you get your podcasts from. It really helps get the word out there. And now for some totally awesome credits. Wine 101 was produced, recorded, and edited by yours truly, Keith Beavers, at the Vine Pair headquarters in New York City. I want to give a big old shout out to co-founders Adam Teeter and Josh Mallon for creating Vine Pair. And I mean, big shout out to Danielle Grinberg, the art director of Vine Pair for creating the most awesome logo for this podcast. Also, Darby Seaside for the theme song. Listen to this. And I want to thank the entire Vine Pair staff for helping me learn something new every day. See you next week. E&J Gallo Winery is excited to sponsor this episode of Vine Pair's Wine 101. Gallo always welcomes new friends to wine with an amazing wide spectrum of favorites ranging from everyday to luxury and sparkling wine. Gallo also makes award-winning spirits, but this is a wine podcast. Whether you are new to wine or an aficionado, Gallo welcomes you to wine. Visit thebarrelroom.com today to find your next favorite, where shipping is available.